Hong's so-called preventive lightest, Eric, don't forget to Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hi, welcome to this week's Med Family episode. I'm here. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm again hosting with Karen. Hey. Uh, we are in rotations now. So last week when we talked, we had just started our in-person rotations in Family Med and that had kind of stalled out a little bit, but we are now in rotations, and so we're trying to make this Tuesday night, and I'll have a little bit of time to edit it and try to get it posted, so hopefully it all turns out okay. But so I was talking about what we've been up to this week, uh, this last week anyway, besides the rotations, because this is about a family and what our family is up to. Uh, and one of the things that kind of came up this week was a friend, a good friend of ours that we knew on the island. We talked about them a few times. They, the wife has helped Karen out with some of the uh, Food for Five stuff that she did on the island. Yeah. And uh, I think they came into town. Which, yes. Which got yeah. us thinking about a few things. Yeah. So they came up, down, whatever. Down. They're down, from Canada. From so they Canada. finally made it through the, <laughs> the Canadian lines. And so they don't have a place to live yet. So we weren't sure if they were going to stay with us until they could find a place or, or what was going on. So I spent most of the week just kind of making sure the house was clean and ready in case we did have company and helping look for housing. And it prompted a lot of discussion with Eric and I over what we, what we look for in a living situation versus what other people have looked for. And this isn't just Susanna and, and Caleb. It's just, Everyone, every every everyone. family here, because everyone's in different situations, um, and they're trying to find something that works works for them, or is it within the right budget? And I mean, you could look at it as well. I know some people look at it as well. We're only going to be here for about two, two years. years, so we can manage anything for two years. Or other people look at it as well. This isn't this isn't forever, so an apartment's fine. Um, we only have one kid or two kids sitting there. It's not... We know some, some couple, one family that they have a bunch of kids and they're in a location with, you know, they, they prioritize school district. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's just interesting because like what I would look for is not necessarily what they would look for or even what our other so friends let's look let's for. So let's maybe go down some of the categories here and see what... What what did we we touched on obviously school district as being one category, but for us with our kids being under six years old, schools weren't as big of a priority because we're like we talked about we're planning on doing homeschooling we're planning on doing a lot of you know learning at home and hopefully with some other people. But our kids are very active and so what so and loud and they're, loud <laughs> they're active and loud. So when we started were, looking, I did not want to share walls. I did not want an apartment. We wanted the yard so that I could just send the kids outside. We have runners, so I don't feel super comfortable taking all four of them. When she says runners, I mean, all of our kids can run. (laughs) These are the kids that will run down the street in a way and just like you call after and they're just like, I'm not coming back. I'm just gone. Well, and I, and if we had just one runner, that would be fine, but we have multiple runners and they don't always run in the same direction so like I will go to a park if I go to a park with somebody else another mother and the park is mostly fenced because then I have fairly good confidence that I'm not going to lose a child so that translates pretty well into we wanted a house with a yard but the yard needed to be fenced in (laughs) yes and so far it has been great for our family but when we, when I was, so Eric, Eric on the island was focusing on school and I was focusing on finding us a place to live when we transitioned. I'm also, I also have done the budget for us. So I knew kind of we were wanting to stay at, at about what we were spending on the island, which a lot of families have, that is another like budget is another factor for a lot of people and a lot of people are like well I can spend less in the states and that is true 
But for me, it was safety. It was a house with a yard. No shared walls. Yeah, no shared walls. We could have done a townhome maybe if it was like the end townhome. I did look at a couple, but that was ruled out fairly quickly when I was looking around and seeing, well, we can we can find a house for the same price that what we were paying on the island. And actually we are paying less, a little, about $100 less a month for this house than what we were spending on the island. But, I mean, that comes of extra. I mean, we have two cars here, so there's extra cost here yes. and there. That I mean, obviously, these sec- uh, third and fourth years are a little bit more expensive than the first two mm-hmm. years. But the safety, I think, is a, a big thing, and I, and just the budget as well. Because like she, like Karen said, that you can find cheaper houses in the states, and even on the island, you can find cheap off-campus housing. Um, and I think the same principle kind of rules here as it did on the island. Maybe a little less on the island. But you kind of get what you pay for. So if you you buy uh, you rent a house, say for thirteen hundred dollars a month, and you find you you're probably gonna find that in a relatively decent neighborhood, and you're probably gonna find you know it's gonna be associated with things that you would pay more money for, and the same thing applies if you find a house for five hundred dollars, it's probably not going to have. Uh, maybe the nicest of neighborhoods, maybe it's not going to be the nicest of houses, maybe not the best school district, whatever it might be. But again, that's when you kind of look at your list and go, hey, it's not that important to me that my my neighborhood is like the best neighborhood out there. As long as it's relatively safe, I think it's fine. Or if you don't perceive it to be unsafe, that's fine too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing to look at is if you're renting a really old house, just be aware that probably your furnace and your all of that is older as well. So, so you might less. be paying, and the windows may not be as good, so you might be paying a little bit more in your heating and cooling costs. Yeah, a little less efficient on doing all that stuff. Because well, we have a friend who, they live maybe two miles from here, and they have a house, and their their cooling system's a bit older than ours. The ha- I want to say the house is any older than ours, but their cooling system's a bit older and they do pay a lot more a month in cooling and they and they actually run their ac less than what we run our ac at yes yeah so so it's it's a it, you you kind of maybe have to sit down and start weighing your options because it it it's great to save money and especially when you're living on loans and you're going to pay back you're going to pay back everything you spend on rent and whatnot at least in our situation we don't have family members sponsoring us we don't have grants or scholarships so everything that we're uh, we're buying and we're is what is basically on loans and so we're going to pay that all back with interest um well with the exception of like the car and our household furniture oh, yeah there was we, a few things that we bought that because of when we had we had a little bit of an inheritance but nothing that was as far as school and right. day-to-day yeah we're we we came into medical school a little bit later in life so we had we we owned a home. We had it furnished. We had all of that stuff before we left for the island and sold it. And so we did budget. I did budget some of that to for when we came back to the states and were in a home that we could furnish the home. And yes, per- Karen planned ahead. Per- purchase vehicles <laughs> Save, and whatnot saves us so, so much. <laughs> so a lot of the stuff that we own is not that wasn't paid for by loans, but the rent, the food, the gas, all of that stuff is. Is loans, but and and many people who are probably in a similar situation, they are. You want to minimize your cost now. It's okay to live like a poor person in medical school, and probably want to extend that to residency until you actually start making money that can you can pay back your loans. You can start for for the first seven years of being a doctor, you want to live like a poor person and pay off your loans as fast as possible. Yeah, you don't you don't want to try to keep up with the chief um, attending or anything like that. Like you, you drive your car as long as you can, as cheaply as you can, and then. And then when you make you actually make some money, then maybe you think about upgrading. But don't buy your <laughs> don't buy your Mercedes on like day one. <laughs> but cost of rent is a big thing. Safety of the neighborhood or apartments or whatever. Is there something you looked at to gauge safety? Yes. Yeah, so most 
I used uh, apartments.com, and there's a map at the very bottom that you can click through. So you can click through for the rating on the school district. You can click through for the safety rating of the neighborhood, noise level, traffic. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was any other. I feel like there was five. Mm -hmm. I think a walk score was one of them. So Mm -hmm. I was most concerned about the safety, the school district, and cost of rent. So I did have a cap for what we wanted to spend, and we did end up below that cap. And then I think also, I mean, we didn't talk, this is obviously not on apartments.com, they would be hard-pressed to know this, but distance from where you are going to be spending most of your time. Yes, so we are 10 minutes from the... The main campus. Yes, the skeleton center, and then we're about 10 minutes from the hospital as well. Yeah. A little less, and... But we're we're kind of in the middle. I mean, a lot of our some of our rotations puts us down south in Perry, some are a little bit southeast in Eastman, and then a lot a few of them are up north in Macon. So. Yeah. So Eric is going to Macon right now. So that's about what a thirty minute drive. Yeah, it's about thirty minutes. Which isn't bad because when we were living in Washington, my drive was about forty five minutes in the morning. So. Sending Eric 30 minutes is not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I have, I have company on my drive. I carpool with one of the other guys, and hope, sometimes that makes the pet time go by quicker. Sometimes he listens to TikTok videos, and that's a little annoying. I'm not annoyed with him. It's just it's not interesting. <laughs> I can't watch TikTok videos and drive, and some of them are just embarrassing or cringeworthy. Uh, so, also, housing. He, also, he likes to listen to Post Malone. Oh, that's that's goodness, a little... Honey. <laughs> housing. We are talking about housing. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> the other things to factor into choosing housing, how much work you're willing to put in. So obviously with a house, we have to mow. We have to have we have to maintain the yard, which it's, most, it's, it's, a yard. Not, it's grass. It's, it's grass. not it's yeah. not like a garden or anything. <laughs> and then there's little things that break and you fix. Or you mean you could be the renter that calls a landlord after everything your kid has broken, or you can just be the renter that just fixes it and tries to do a good job that the rent the the landlord will never know that you put a hole in the wall. We didn't put a hole in the wall. There was a hole in the wall before we moved in. Yes, but even even still, we would likely be on the hook for that if it was ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so like like with all rentals, it really depends on what kind of rental you get. So it sounds bad, but our landlady, she she purchased the home from, from a, f- a like former a, like a, friend, acquaintance. There's a squad member of, his, of the, her husband's military unit owned the home. Right. And they fixed up certain things before she purchased it. Um, it was in their contract. And she purchased it maybe about a month before we moved in. And some things were just fixed a little bit interesting. And, I mean, we had our own home. Eric fixed all of our cars when we were in Washington. So he's fairly handy. Well, so and, and it's I, not that big of a When I was growing up, my parents did a renovation. And to save money, my parents put me and my brother to work to do the renovation with the contractor. So we had we were the labor we were the laborers for that. <laughs> so we so. installed windows, door uh, doors, ceilings, drywall, and roofs and trusses. So I'm a little familiar with some of the work. Yeah. So when we moved in, there were the things, the little things that stick like to the wall. Plastic circular doorknob guard, essentially. Yeah. And the one in our, our daughter's room got taken off, and behind it, there was just a big hole. So basically, the former owners had opened the door too hard, put a hole in the wall. Instead of fixing the wall, they just stuck a, <laughs> a like sticky a... <laughs> over it. Um, so we. I I proceeded to stick a sticky over it, a new one, and, and my kids, kids kept going back peeled to it him. off. So we decided we were going to fix the wall. <laughs> fix the wall and then fix the problem with the door hitting the wall. <laughs> so right. Two, two problems <laughs> that we had to fix there. Yeah. Um, so not, not, Nothing realistically A $9 difficult. fix. Not that big of a deal. Those are the little things we got to work on too. But again, that's something you just have to factor into. You're kind of a homeowner, but you're also a renter. So... Uh, obviously, when our AC went out a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned talking to the landlord because we're not gonna we're not on the hook for an AC HVAC unit. Like that's that's a landlord deal. If it, if I own this house, that would be my deal. Yeah, I think 
I don't know. I think Eric and I always go into it thinking leave the house the same, the or, same better. or better than when you moved in. And you kind of have to remember, like our landlord knows that Eric is in medical school. You kind of just, it's. I think it's beneficial to get into your mind now that people are watching how you act. And so therefore present present to the world how you would like to be viewed. And it starts early and it's going to get harder in once you become a doctor. I, I feel like a lot of friends that I have known that have become a doctor have quickly gotten off of social, social media. media because... <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's something that Eric is going to do or if we're just going to do well, joint or what. But there's, there's a couple of things about that. I mean, like you, you run a Instagram, uh, which is like Med Family MD, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not touching the Instagram. I don't have an Instagram. I have a Facebook that might get disappeared at some point. Just as things go, I see if that becomes a time suck or if it becomes a liability of any kind. I also have a Twitter, and I am very much an anonymous Twitter user, so you, you wouldn't be able to find me if you watch the show on Twitter. It's not, I'm, I don't associate in any way to the podcast on my Twitter. It's mostly for just looking at news and seeing current events, Yeah, um, well, it's, but it's very much anonymous because I don't, I don't really want to have liability tying me back and hurting my professional life in any way. Yeah. And not I, that I do anything crazy on Twitter. <laughs> I just, it just, it's... High risk, very little reward. And so... Yeah. Well, and I think... So for the Instagram associated with this account, there are some pictures that have our kids in it, but our kids' faces aren't necessarily facing the camera. Because there's weirdos out there. There, Yes. So we're... (laughs) While this is like a little pet project of ours... I don't really want to include as much as our kids are part of our family. Big I don't. Part, I mean, they make us a, a family, really. <laughs> well, you can have family without kids. That's true, but, but not do- not dogs and cats, though. <laughs> that is my hot take for today. <laughs> dogs and cats do not equate to, to a child. Don't compare your dog, your pet, to my child. <laughs> it will offend me, and that is not your problem. That is Suddenly my problem. Suddenly, we lost the, the three regular followers that we have. <laughs> That being said, pets are valuable members of the family. They're just not as important as my child. Good save. <laughs> Anyways, budget, safety, school. Yeah, I think just kind of piggybacking off of the the idea that we mentioned just very briefly on, on social media, not uh, having a, either not having a presence or being very careful of your presence. And even in the community, understanding that you are a physician and people see you as such. I mean, you're a human, right? You want to turn that off every now and then. As much as it's a great part of your life, it's also something you should turn off every now and then. But that being said, it doesn't stop um, people in your family from reaching out to you. And we've talked about this, about people reaching out for medical advice and how to talk about it, how to handle it. One of the things I think that happened this week as well is my sister-in-law sent me, very random, I don't talk to my sister-in-law very much, not not because she's a non-nice person, just she has her thing that she does. I think she does her yoga um, and yoga studio. And me and my brother talk here and there, trade stock tips. Not going to take any more stock tips from him, but. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that is my purview, not Eric's. And (laughs) it will stay my purview based off of our earnings. (laughs) Yeah, we we had a little trial here (laughs) where Karen picked a bunch of stock options and she did well. She did very well. And, And she has some help when the, the stock market tanked in March 2020, but um, hey, if you have the money when the market <laughs> tanks, you should invest because the market's always gonna go back up, right? But she picked some good winners, really. Um, and then I, I was talking to my brother, and I got convinced into doing something that has gone down 70 percent since I bought it. So we didn't spend a lot of money on that, thankfully. It was like penny stocks. So yeah. Either way, sister-in-law reaches out and has this video. And she just wants my opinion on it. And of course, because it's the pandemic, it's a COVID video. And it's it's tricky because a lot of times these videos are people who have personal experiences that they're dealing with, with either the pandemic or they're having personal experiences with the medical field. And you don't really want to discount their experience and what they felt and what they perceive things to be. So it is tricky to try to look at these videos and try to tackle 
tackle them and at the same time you don't want to you, you don't want to brush them off as like well this is this is just ridiculous what they're saying about covid or hospital care how medical personnel operate is this all wrong and nonsense the person messaging you is asking you because they think they, they, they see you as a doctor or they see you as a you know, medical student that might have more expertise and so I got into a not a long discussion but it was a long discussion. It was a long breakdown of the video, <laughs> just trying to explain my perspective, what I know about medicine, what I know about the practice of medicine, and just kind of my experience of working in clinics and hospitals and how things may be perceived by a patient one way and how that might how that might have come to be. And then, of course, you, you just some of these so some of these videos are very persuasive because they're like talk show people, they're people who are out in the public eye so they know how to tell a good story and sometimes doctors were not really good at telling stories and I'm, I know I'm not very good at telling stories trust me I listen to the podcast at least twice while I'm editing it and I know I don't tell good stories <laughs> uh, and so you just got to be careful not to discredit someone's experience but understand that when someone tells a story they're also kind of telling a narrative or it's from their point of view it may not necessarily have all everything lined up like there or, are protocols for a reason they, they don't include the context of some things like they might include something that they said and then something that was done in response but they don't always include the context of that conversation of what else was said what else was done and so you're left either thinking that that's it that was the sole amount of information that was being either distributed or given or you have to try to fill in the blanks going, from my, my experience, X, Y, and Z was probably being done in conjunction with what was also being said. Be, they, they said that was being done. So, um, And when Eric says his experience with working in a hospital and clinics and whatnot, he's not saying this current clinical not, not in the current rotation. rotation he worked for a clinic and was able to yeah, watch but- several surgeries well, over what five years? Uh, I worked years. for about seven years uh, at a multi-primary care, multi-specialty clinic. So it was basically this giant conglomeration of primary care doctors, just dozens of them, hospitalists, surgeons of all different specialties, radiology, all rolled up into one big practice. And so it was a re- really good experience. And then, of course, being a surgery coordinator, I worked directly with the hospitals. And how they admitted patients, how they got patients ready for surgery. I was involved in those processes. So when I say I speak from my personal experience, it's from that. My personal experience as a medical student in clerkships is, of course, only about (laughs) a week long. A week and a half. Well, we're going to count just one because I saw like no patients the first half of last week. And then I saw patients starting Wednesday. Okay. Which is actually a good segue. Um, sorry, let me, let me first cap off. So just be, as a medical student, just be prepared for people to pick your brain because you're a doctor. And I know I talked about how we should be kind of excited that people reach out to us and then just be mindful of how we respond to not bash possible biases not and, and therefore kind of poison our audience against us. It's, oh, you're just a doctor. Of course you would say that. Um, try to hear it from their perspective, hear it from the possible perspective of the audience of the video, and just be mindful of some people's experiences are not going to be the same as what your experience has been, and um, don't I guess don't remove that agency from the person, but also try to give a really good account and context for what you think is going on. Anyway, we just got to be better storytellers, I think. But uh, that's a decent enough segue to <laughs> the first week of rotations. Um, so as I uh, we picked up last week, I was really excited because we had started rotations on Monday, but Monday and Tuesday we didn't have any patients. So we just kind of got acquainted with the medical record system and went home. Nothing, nothing much to do there. Uh, but mm-hmm. from Wednesday, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday... And then, of course, uh, Monday and Tuesday, today being Tuesday, we saw patients. So that's that's the exciting part. That's the that's the fun. 
And <laughs> I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot. And I, you know, obviously, we can't get into like very detail on what patients presented with because it would might be a little too identifying to the patients, and we want to make sure we protect them. But like we saw, it's a pretty wide variety of patients that we see here in Middle Georgia. Uh, I don't obviously can't speak to any other location, but you see a lot of a lot of things that you might maybe just read about, <laughs> and of course, like in step one, are the kind of one-offs and like, oh, this only happens once in a while, and so you're not going to see it. And it's just we just talk about it because it's great testing material. But we do see like I think lupus. We've we've seen lupus, but we've also because it's you know COVID nineteen era. We've seen COVID nineteen. Yeah, we've, it seems like you've. You guys have tested about 80% of your patients. Yeah, a lot of our patients get COVID-19 swabs. And um, there's a there's a kind of a thought that some of the symptoms of COVID-19 are very straightforward. Sore throat, cough, difficulty. Lack of taste. Lack, you know, loss of taste, loss of smell. And then, of course, pneumonia symptoms. Um, but there's also a kind of a thought that there's a whole lot of other symptoms that could be associated with COVID that we may not know or kind of just weird reactions to COVID. And so like fatigue, I think sometimes I think one of the, the things the doctor talks about is like different it's varying menstrual cycles. It's very strange things that aren't readily recalled to be associated with COVID. And we just kind of have to rule it out sometimes. And We've seen patients who, I think I had one the other day that breakthrough COVID positive, and she, you know, they had had a a Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and you know it happens. But it was like very like this is one of those things like well maybe get on a little soapbox. Go ahead and get the vaccine, even if you do test positive for COVID, the symptoms are just not not bad. Like this person had like no almost no symptoms. (laughs) <laughs> which is like really disappointing because no symptoms i'm i'm sure sure they wanted to get back to work they don't want to be locked in their house for 10 days like that sounds awful especially when you're like i don't feel bad like if you ever had a cold and you started feeling better you go outside and do stuff like whereas this is like no you stay in, in your house for 10 days until we test you again and you get a negative and then you can go out and do stuff and it's gotta be hard it's gotta be <laughs> i can't imagine it being good but on the bright side you don't get a really bad reaction. And I would much rather not be in the hospital than... But I think the other thing that maybe worth talking about, at least as far as rotations goes, is how we as med students want to present ourselves to our, our instructors. We talked a little bit previously about trying to make sure we're not in their way, we're not dragging down their practice, we're not giving them a bad reputation. But I think there's also other things that we should can keep in mind like there's always like the gunner mentality. There's the person who kind of comes in. They want to be perceived as very knowledgeable. They feel like they've researched everything. So they see that patient come in that has high blood pressure and <laughs> dyslipidemia. And they know I'm putting that patient on a statin because they're African-American. I know I'm putting them on a thiazide medication and this is the dosage. And doctor, I see that they're on a lisinopril med. We need to drop that lisinopril. We need to put them on a thiazide because they should not be on a lisinopril. And like, it, there's that gunner mentality. It, it, if it's not toned down or toned in the right direction, it kind of comes across as, doctor, I'm telling you how to practice. I know I'm paying you to teach me, but I'm here to tell you how to how to treat these patients. And like, we're third years medical students. Like, we know something. And we know some things, but we don't know everything. <laughs> I think it's the, you know enough to get you in trouble, to give you enough confidence that it can get you in trouble. Yeah, and and some, I mean, some examples. I remember, I, I, I hopefully I don't call out someone, and I, 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 I'm of course with this person on the rotation, and I think he does a really good job. So I'm not trying to call him out as bad or anything, but like there was one example of a patient that was asking about. A brace and we were in the room with the doctor which is this was like the first day and the, instead of waiting for the doctor just to respond to the patient which has been the norm that was the norm of the visit so far the this person jumps right in and sit, basically says well braces 
have no benefit. <laughs> These braces will have no benefit. And so really, you're just better off not having them, which the doctor then paused and said, well, for some patients, they're helpful and some it's not helpful. So we'll give you a prescription. You can get it filled and see if it works. So it's one of those, and doctor's really good about, this doctor's really good about not like shaming you and ridiculing you or anything like that. He's there to help you learn, but if you're going to jump out in front of him, you're going to kind of pay the price for it. I mean, there there is the gunner as you, you but there's also like, you're you're rounding with mul- Eric currently is rounding with multiple people and, and two other two other medical students with me. Yeah, and you both from both from the same school. Yeah, but the the one is it was it ha- has been very proactive about like volunteering to take the first patient of the day and like th- you want to set yourself up for success, uh, so you just like do it quietly or respectfully or I don't I don't know yeah, how the, you would say. There's a way to. Put yourself out there and be open for a lot of new experiences. If you're, I think this this person, um, one of their patients needed a steroid injection in the gluteal muscle, and so the doctor was just going to let the nurse do it because that's what their practice does. The nurse just gives that injection, and he was like, "Hey, I haven't given an injection like this. Can I do it?" And so he got to do that. That was a great opportunity, and he got to do it because he stepped up and said, "I want to do that. I want to learn," and. I need, I personally, for myself, I need to do that. I need to get a little bit out of my shell and be like, hey, I want to give this a shot. Even on these uh, COVID tests, like the nurse has been doing most of them. Uh, One of the other guys has stepped up and done one. I need to probably step up and say, nurse, would you mind showing me how to do one? And now I'll do the next one. I'll do the next patient. And I know they're uncomfortable. Like these are the nasal ones. So they were like scratching the back of your brain with a Q-tip. So uncomfortable is probably an understatement. But yeah, it's just um, showing an eagerness to learn and a readiness to get your hands dirty and not being timid is probably helpful. But not getting out in front of your doctor where you're essentially telling him how to do things. And... Our, our system is, is pretty good. Um, the doctor will go into the room with us to start, and he'll talk to the patient just very briefly, just kind of a, how you doing? What's going on? Okay, well, I have a new doctor with me today, and he'll talk to you for a little bit, and then um, we'll talk a little bit later. And then he'll leave, and you, you just stay in the room, and you, you begin your patient interview. You do your history. Uh, you do your review of systems, you do every, you know, you, just about every social, family, med, you know, medical hospitalization histories. And then you then you got to figure out which physical exams do you want to do? Because up to that point, you're just gathering a whole bunch of information and you're just trying to juggle that information and trying to make a con- cohesive differential diagnosis. <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things I think Trinity does a good job at is uh, with their program where they get you out in the community and doing patient history is you get a little bit more at ease doing that so that hopefully by the time in third year you get to doing histories uh, they're just second nature and you're already working on a differential diagnosis you're not really nervous you're just it's just very second nature you're just going at it that when you get to that physical exam portion you can think oh okay well the patient they said they had a cough so I definitely should probably look at their throat. I should probably look at their ears and nose, and then maybe their eyes. And it definitely doesn't hurt to listen to the lungs, and certainly doesn't hurt to listen to the heart. And then if they're talking maybe about some swelling in the legs, you know, have them roll up the, the jeans a little bit and just look at the ankles, look at the feet. If they're diabetic, I mean, make sure they don't have any open wounds. And so... You're working on these differential diagnoses and then trying to pair up which physical exams are going to help you conclude a diagnosis or rule out certain diagnoses. So it's really exciting. I'm glad I'm doing family medicine first because it's kind of a little bit slower paced as what the practice is right now. So I have a little bit more time to try to figure these things out and get a little bit more comfortable with the patients and myself, a little bit more confidence in my own abilities. I think my, my goal this week actually is because I had this attachment for the stethoscope. <laughs> my goal this week is actually to have the confidence to turn it on, put my phone out, and have it 
play on my phone so that the patient can listen to it. And so you're not just like, yeah, I'm listening to your heart and you're just moving the stethoscope around and being like, I have no idea what I'm hearing. But that way the patient gets to hear it as well. And so the patient, you know, you can't, if like you put it over the heart and you, you can't hear the heart sounds and you're just like, yeah, I'm sure there's an S2 and S1 there somewhere. <laughs> and the patient's like, I heard nothing. Then like, well, there's a little bit of accountability there. Like just to, and then of course the patient can hear it as well. And so they can kind of see what you're listening for. And it's a little bit of patient education, hopefully not too overwhelming for them. But so that's my goal this week is to have an opportunity to do that. I didn't have that opportunity today. Um, I just thought about it today, so I, I didn't have the opportunity to do it today. My my only patient today was a follow-up, so. Uh, and she was seeing, I saw her, like, Friday, which is, again, one of those rare occasions where I get to see the same patient in one rotation. So anyway, just, I guess, try when you get into that position. It, it's the best part about medicine, medical school. Like, the first two years, it's just a grind. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's book learning. Book learning, learning you just... The third year is and fourth year are where it's at. I think third year is probably more fun than fourth. I think fourth year you probably and this is I, I haven't been in fourth year. My my guess is that fourth year, you probably have the confidence and you know what you're doing, but you're also <laughs> applying for residency and matches, like and that sounds stressful. Uh, third year I have step two, which is stressful, but that's like a year away. So I'm just gonna try to enjoy it as much as I can until then. He says that, but he's already studying for step two. So, yeah, and the shelves. Yeah, so you never stop. It's always it's always one more exam. It's not your internal exams for your classes. It's going to be step one. If it's not step one, it's shelf exams. If it's not shelf exams, it's step two. And then after step two, it's going to be step three. <laughs> and after step three, I think there's even a step four. Uh, and then, or, and then there's like boards for your specialty that you go into like you're just always going to do exams it's just just that's just the way it is uh the other thing i guess that kind of topic i wanted to touch on do you think we have time mm, i don't know i don't know what i i can read your prompt but i, I don't know how long I, I we didn't talk about it beforehand that's so true we i don't <laughs> our, i don't our pre-production meeting <laughs> Where Eric writes out notes and wife is like, okay, I can talk about that. Yeah, usually um, I write out notes <laughs> and we discuss it a little bit. I tell I tell Karen to sit closer to the microphone. <laughs> we we reposition the chair at least three times. I'm not loud enough apparently, but no, um, go for it. I don't know what exactly prompted this topic, but go yeah, for it. Um, so the, the prompt of this topic, I was driving home with this other medical student I carpool with. And it dawned on me as we were kind of rehashing all the patients that we had seen and what what we were doing to treat them. It dawned on me that there was there's always this criticism from patients or people who are maybe more into the homeopathy or a little bit more into the essential oils. I, I don't mean to call out one particular group, but that's essentially the group that I hear this most from, is that... Doctors really are just pill pushers. <laughs> like, um, and so it, it kind of dawned on me that every patient that we talked about, we prescribed something to. Like if there, there was, I don't think, a single patient that left the office that didn't have a prescription that was being called into their pharmacy. Um, and so that got me kind of thinking. It was like, well, I, I was always very defensive when – Whenever an essential oil person would say, oh, you doctors, all you do is give them prescriptions and give them pills and you don't treat them, you know, with lifestyle changes and you don't treat them with uh, vitamins or anything like that. And, you know, vitamins have their place. Obviously, we need we need vitamins to survive. Vitamins, minerals, food, substance. But speaking from a pharmacy perspective, vitamins are not, most vitamins are not covered under insurance. Covered under insurance. Uh, nor do they go through the same rigorous testing and trials as right. drugs do. Well, I mean, truth be told, you, you B12 uh, vitamin that uh, shots are covered generally. Those are <laughs> yes, but, but like your your multivitamins, your vitamin C, your, or your zinc, so vitamin D's probably yeah. not covered. But it would, vitamin K not, is okay, but that that's usually covered because yep. of a warfarin overdose. <laughs> yep, <laughs> or Coumadin. 
as the the brand name is. But I guess that got me thinking because even in the first two years of medical school, they they do talk a little bit about lifestyle changes and things that you could do to uh, I don't know optimize your health. And even in preparation for these shelf exams, like the first stop for dyslipidemia isn't to give a statin. The first stop is to do lifestyle changes, like get them to <laughs> try to live better, eat healthier, exercise more. We don't want to put them right on a statin. Um, but I was, of course, recalling back like, oh, man, we every, again, every patient we saw, we gave some kind of medication to some kind of prescription was called in. So am I just a pill pusher? Am I learning to be a pill pusher? Am I learning to teach these patients how to live a healthier lifestyle? And I, I think that's kind of a, I, I kind of set myself up that way just in the thought process and thinking because it's, it's kind of also a false dichotomy. Like you're either giving pills or you're giving lifestyle advice too. I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate yeah, here go for because it. I mean, I did, I did work for a pharmacy for what, two, three years. Americans want their pills. They don't want to change their lifestyle. I thought I had the hot takes today with the dollars <laughs> not being part of the family. <laughs> well, you would not believe how many calls, and granted, these are people that are on lots of pills. They are nearing their end of life. But typically, they have a power of attorney or someone else. But there has to be a pill for this. There has to be a pill for this. And it's just like, well, your doctor has to prescribe something. And then your pharmacist is going to round bag it, which means they're going to go over all of your medications on, on your parents' list and make sure that nothing counteracts or there's not something better that could be prescribed. So you're taking, you're, you're taking less pills, taking less pills but doing and the things same are thing. being most effective. Right. So, but most, most people elderly or not, they want to live the life that they want to live and just make it go away quicker. People don't, I mean, you even saw this when you were working in the clinic before you'd have the diabetic that came in, that's missing three toes because they have uncontrolled diabetes, diabetes. and despite their insulin regimens and the doctors are saying, well, if you don't, if you don't fix this, then you're going to lose your foot. And then the next month they lose their foot. And if you don't fix this, you're going to lose part of your leg. And then the, yeah, they just later, slowly they start slowly, walking our way up the legs. People don't, a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say pe- everybody, but a lot of people want to live life the way they want to live life, and they don't want to be accountable. And or, so they'll... It, it, it's hard. I mean, you, it's a lot of the things that cause high blood pressure, a lot of the things that cause diabetes are things that we develop habits f- doing. And we develop habits doing them because we enjoy them or you know it's it's nice to sit around inside and not exercise because you know mankind has spent most of our lives trying to figure out how to make the inside nicer and avoid the outside i like being outside i'm from the pacific pacific northwest we have a great outdoors to go see but it's hard to when you develop these habits of eating whatever you want drinking whatever you want living a lifestyle that you prefer as opposed to what might be deemed healthy, even, you know, like, could you just eat better food? Could you exercise 30 minutes a day? You know, some simple things. And we just go, well, I don't, I don't need to do that. And when you're young, you have a great metabolism. And so you, it's also a great time to develop habits. And so you develop bad habits. <laughs> and we know in smoking, like smoking is another one of those ones that causes like just about everything. And so we develop these really bad habits and it's just so hard to break. I'm speaking for myself from experience. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, the right BMI. <laughs> I could eat better. Um, I could be a better example for my patients. But it's hard. Like you, you develop these habits because when you were young, you had no consequences for them because your metabolism just picked up where your body left off. Uh, well, you know, picked up what your what your mind and your your stomach left off with and. <laughs> And then now you come to the doctor with, you know, hypertension, your, your, your blood pressure is like 180 over 90, like, and then you're going, well, doc, what are you going, what can I do for it? And it's like, well, you could eat better and exercise more. And it's like, yeah, I'll try that for like a week. <laughs> and, and the doctor is of course looking at you going, 
overweight, has a sedentary lifestyle, not really convinced that they're actually going to make lifestyle choices to live better. Or some of these patients, like they're they're the only driver in their family. They're the breadwinner of their family. They they have to take care of a sick spouse. And so, you know, how how are they going to de stress? Yes. <laughs> or get yeah, get the time to step away and do something that they need to do for themselves. Yeah, like and so it's it is easier in those situations just to give them a medication and say, yes, work on your diet, work on your exercise, try to de-stress your life as much as possible. Maybe start looking at some of the stuff you're doing and saying, I need to get more sleep. I need to cut this stuff out. You know, maybe drink less, smoke less, whatever it is, and maybe make some baby steps, small steps. We can, of course, can advise it, and but you know, we're going to give them that pill because <laughs> We don't want them to go into a hypertensive crisis and die. Like somebody, and also the other thing we have to consider is that we, yeah, we we spend a lot of time developing these habits, but we maybe this is an American thing as well. But we don't come into the doctor until it's a problem, and by the time we think it's a problem, it's probably a train wreck, and so it, it's like 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 I said, like one eighty over ninety, that's high. That's very high. Like, you don't want to have a 180. Like, your normal is supposed to be, like, I think 120 over 60 or so, 80, something like that. I think it's 80. Sorry, I should know this. Uh, <laughs> it's late. <laughs> um, so, like, when you get up to that point, it's it's very high. It's very dangerous. And you probably have other things going on. And so I guess the long story short is, like, yeah, we are, we are pro pushers in some way. But we're, we're, I guess we're trying to do the best for the patients that are in front of us and, and basically telling them I'm not going to give you a statin. I'm not going to give you a diabetic medication that can hopefully stave off coronary artery disease or a heart attack or something else in your near future because I want you to exercise for 30 minutes. Like, I want my patients to live. <laughs> so I'll give them the statin. I'll give them the, the high blood pressure medication because... At least if they take it, they have you know they can they have they buy themselves a little bit more time to make new habits. Yeah, and as long as we're again encouraging them, like you don't want to be on a statin forever. I mean, you, you the side effects, the side effects of all these medications. You don't want to be taking a pill for the rest of your life. Who does? Who wants to take a pill for the rest of their life? It's insane. So make better lifestyle choices, and you can stop taking this pill. Diabetics are a little bit different, of course, but. I mean, there's always, I guess there are some diabetics I think I've seen that have basically become diet controlled, and that's great. You know, you don't have to take a metformin or a a glipizide or insulin if things got bad. But I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off there. Oh, you're fine. I was just going to say, I think, I mean, the saying in America is, do you live your best life? But I feel like in (laughs) in some sense, that's kind of it's kind of the wrong message. It's giving people the idea that they can do whatever they want or that what makes them happy is what's best for them. Where sometimes, well, I mean, this episode's going to be full of hot topics. Or I hot know, takes and, I know. But like, if you think about it, like exercising does not make me happy. However, after I've <laughs> exercised for a week, I mean, you feel good about it after you're done. You don't, it's not happy while you're doing it kind of thing. Well, but, some exercises. Like, I like playing soccer. That's good exercise. Yeah. But if you tell me to run on a treadmill for 30 minutes, no. I'm not going to enjoy that very much. Running around a track, not so fun. It's running without a purpose. But, like, but it's fun for some people, right? I don't know. I'm just... I I just feel like there's a lot of messaging nowadays well, that's body not positive, necessary. There's a body positive movement, which, like, we shouldn't shame people for being fat uh, or overweight, obese, whatever. Well, no. But at the you, same time, we shouldn't, like, if you're unhealthy, you we want you to be, like, I want, like, it's kind of the the St. Augustine idea of love is, like, willing the good of the other as other. It's, that's how you show you love somebody is, like, I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to live a long life and be healthy. And just because you get affirmation from people and your your BMI is you know forty five fifty, 
and people, you know, oh, well, body positive, it's good, you know, if you, as long as you're happy, we're happy. It's like, they're, they're killing themselves. You're killing yourself. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want you to be happy. I don't, I mean, and like we just said, exercise sucks. Uh, well, and <laughs> some there, of the exercises suck. There are other reasons, like... I I had a family member who was overweight for most of my life and then lost a bunch. And it was because they finally figured out that there was an issue with her thyroid. Like, there there are other reasons besides not taking care of yourself that you could be a certain weight. That's not, that's not the issue. Like, I want every person to feel comfortable in their own skin. That's great. But... To say that it's healthy is another thing. Yeah, because um, I think again we're, we're talking um, health, healthy like body biology, and then of course there's the psychological healthy, which is a kind of a different ball game, and they have to be in balance. I think it's one of those things they do have to be in balance. Psychologically, you know, you might be, <laughs> I don't know, happiest. Um, on certain number of drugs and eating whatever you want and a certain, you know, like 50 BMI, like maybe you are psychologically very happy, um, but healthy, biologically healthy, not not so much. Anyway, we're, we're kind of on a soapbox here. On We're way off topic. And, and like I said, I, I, <laughs> I need to work on some weight issues myself. So as much as I'm, I'm just saying this out loud... I, I need to practice what I preach and start actually hitting the eye fitness a little bit more often, cutting back on some of the soda. Yeah, I stare and at I my can Mountain Dew. lose a few yeah. pounds Whatever, as well. you are beautiful and you're tall. And, <laughs> I, and I am I, 11 pounds up since we moved back to the States. <laughs> what I like about going out with you is that I think everyone knows I married up. <laughs> it's not true, <laughs> um, but I will take it. <laughs> And you're tall. You're a little bit taller than I am, so you can reach reach things higher up. Like an inch taller, maybe. He's saying anyway. I'm six foot. I'm not six foot. Not quite. Close. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so uh, this week, we're, just again, we're just really excited to be in rotations. I think I found out that my... I, so I have one more week of rotations. Uh, so next week is my last week of family, family medicine. And then the week after that, I think the score gives us a week off. I think it's some weird summer break thing. And then I'll be on psychiatry. So that should be interesting. Um, I'm really kind of looking for, looking forward to that one being, um, I don't know, I, I can be a little gullible sometimes. So I'm hoping to have a lot more shadow time to really understand what I'm, what I'm looking at and what I'm hearing. So looking forward to psychiatry. It's like, anyway, uh, psych rotation. And yeah, next week we'll, of course, probably wrap up a podcast on the, the family medicine and kind of give us some final thoughts on it. Anyway, hope you guys have a great week. And well, so you can find us again on Instagram. Karen is managing that page. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, um, any complaints about the hot takes we had today, especially about <laughs> the dogs and cats, you can yell at Karen. Or you can leave a comment on iTunes. Happy to have some comments and then of course you can spread the word and let people know about our podcast uh we are on itunes of course spotify stitcher and outcast um a whole bunch of other podcast platforms and of course again instagram is medfamilymd talk to you next week have a good week